Chapter 103 And Kairos appeared, holding in his hand a scepter that signified royalty, and he gave it to the first created god, and he took it and said, Your secret name shall have thirty-six letters. Hasana Sabah, Sargasash de Sayidna A bravura performance, but now explanations were in order. I provided them in the days that followed. Long explanations, detailed, documented. On the table at Pilades I showed Belbo proof after proof, which he followed with increasingly glazed eyes while he chain-smoked, and every five minutes held out his empty glass, the ghost of an ice-cube at the bottom, and Pilade would hasten to refill it without waiting to be told. My first sources were the same ones in which the earliest accounts of the Templars appeared, from Gerard of Strasbourg to Joinville. The Templars had come into contact, into conflict sometimes, but more often into mysterious alliance, with the assassins of the old man of the mountain. The story was complicated and began after the death of Muhammad, with the schism between the followers of the ordinary law, the Sunnis, and the supporters of Ali, the prophet's son-in-law, Fatima's husband, who saw the succession taken from him. It was the enthusiasts of Ali, the group of adepts called the Shiites, who created the heretic branch of Islam, the Shia, an occult doctrine which saw the continuity of the revelation not in traditional meditation upon the words of the prophet, but in the very person of the imam, lord, leader, epiphany of the divine, theophanic reality, king of the world. Now, what happened to this heretic Islamic branch, which was gradually infiltrated by all the esoteric doctrines of the Mediterranean basin, from Manichaeanism to Gnosticism, from Neoplatonism to Iranian mysticism, by all those impulses whose shifts and development in the West we had followed for years. It was a long story, impossible to unravel, partly because the various Arab authors and protagonists had extremely long names, the texts were transcribed with a forest of diacritical marks, and as the evening wore on we could no longer distinguish between Abu Abdallah Muhammad ibn Ali ibn Razam al-Tai al-Kufi, Abu Muhammad Ubaid Allah, and Abu Muini Abdin Nasir ibn Kusra Marvazi Kubadiyani. But an Arab, I imagine, would have the same difficulty with Aristotle, Aristoxenus, Aristarchus, Aristides, Aristagoras, Anaximander, Anaximenes, Anacreon, and Anacarsis. But one thing was certain. Shiism in turn split into two branches, one called the Twelvers, who await a lost and future imam, and the other, the Ismailis, born in the realm of the Fatimids in Cairo, who subsequently gave rise to reformed Ismailism in Persia through a fascinating figure, the mystical and ferocious Hassana Sabah. Sabah set up his headquarters to the southwest of the Caspian, in the impregnable fortress of Alamut, the nest of the raptor. There Sabah surrounded himself with his devotees, the Fedayeen, those faithful unto death, and he used them to carry out his political assassinations, to be instruments of the Jihad Hafi, the secret holy war. The Fedayeen later gained an unfortunate reputation under the name Assassins, not a lovely word now, but for them it was splendid, the emblem of a race of warrior monks who greatly resembled the Templars, a spiritual knighthood. The fortress or castle of Alamut, the rock, built on an airy crest four hundred meters long and in places only a few meters wide, thirty at most. From the distance to one arriving along the Azerbaijan road, it looked like a natural wall, dazzling white in the sun, bluish in the purple dusk, bloody at dawn. 
On some days it blended with the clouds or flashed with lightning. Along its upper ridge you could just make out what seemed a row of flint swords that shot upward for hundreds of meters. The most accessible side was a treacherous slope of gravel, which archaeologists even today are unable to scale. The fortress was reached by a secret stairway bitten out of the rock, like the spiral peel of a stone apple, and a single archer could defend it. Dizzying, a world elsewhere, Alamut could be reached only astride eagles. Here Sabah ruled, and his successors after him, each to be known as the Old Man of the Mountain. First of them was the sulphurous Sinan. Sabah had invented a method of dominion over his men, and to his adversaries he declared that if they did not submit to him, they would die. There was no escaping the assassins. Nizam al-Mulk, prime minister of the Sultan, when the crusaders were still exerting themselves to conquer Jerusalem, was stabbed to death as he was being carried on his litter to the quarters of his women. The killer had approached him disguised as a dervish, and the atabeg of hymns, guarded by a squad of men armed to the teeth, as he came down from his castle to go to Friday prayers, was slain by the old man's killers. Sinan decided to murder the Marquis Corrado di Montefeltro, a Christian, and readied two of his men, who introduced themselves among the infidels able to mimic their customs and language after much preparation. They had disguised themselves as monks, and while the Bishop of Tyre was entertaining the hapless Marquis at a banquet, leaped upon the victim and stabbed him. One assassin was immediately killed by the bodyguards. The other took refuge in a church, waited until the wounded man was brought there, attacked him again, finishing him off, then died blissfully. Blissfully because, as the Arab historiographers of the Sunni line and then the Christian chroniclers from Oderic of Pordenone to Marco Polo wrote, the old man had discovered a way to make his knights faithful even to the supreme sacrifice, to make them invincible, horrible war machines. He took them as youths asleep to the summit of the mountain, where he stupefied them with pleasures—wine, women, flowers, delectable banquets, and hashish—which gave the sect its name. When they could no longer do without the perverse delights of that invented paradise, he dragged them out of their sleep and set before them a choice. Go, kill, and if you succeed, this paradise you leave will again be yours and forever, but if you fail you will plunge back into the Gehenna of the everyday. Dazed by the drug, helpless before his demands, they sacrificed themselves in sacrificing others. They were killers destined to be killed, victims condemned to make victims. How they were feared! What tales the crusaders told about them on moonless nights as the Simum howled over the desert! How the Templars admired, envied those splendid animals! How awed they were by the clear will to martyrdom! The Templars agreed to pay their tolls, asking in exchange formal tributes, in a game of reciprocal concessions, complicity, brotherhood of arms, disemboweling one another in the open field but embracing one another in secret, exchanging murmured words of mystical visions, magic formulas, alchemic subtleties. From the assassins the Templars learned occult rites. It was cowardice and ignorance that kept King Philip's inquisitors from seeing that the spitting on the cross, the kiss on the anus, the black cat, and the worship of Baphomet were simply a repetition of other ceremonies, ceremonies performed under the influence of the first secret the Templars learned in the Orient, the use of hashish. So it was obvious that the plan was born, had to be born, there. From the men of Alamut the Templars learned of the subterranean currents. They met the men of Alamut in Provence and established the secret plot of the Thirty-Six Invisibles, and that is why Christian Rosenkreutz journeyed to Fez and other places in the Orient, and that is why it was to the Orient that Postel turned, 
and why it was from Egypt, home of the Fatimid Ismailis, that the mages of the Renaissance imported the eponymous divinity of the plan, Hermes, Hermes Teuth or Toth, and why Egyptian figures were used by the mountebank Cagliostro for his rituals. And the Jesuits, less narrow than we had thought, with the good father Kircher, lost no time in throwing themselves into hieroglyphics, Coptic, and the other Oriental languages, and Hebrew was only a cover, a nod to the fashion of the period.